0: Jim, I know you got that job on Zometry.com. Where'd you get the material from? Well, funny you should ask. I did get that job part of their
1: vendor partner network. And Zometry just started to sell material on their supplies network. It's awesome. I get the job from them. I don't even have to think about the size or the alloy or the material. They tell me exactly what size I'm going to need, have the price, and bam, it's done. It's in my inbox, and I'm out. So go to Zometry.com and check out their supplies network to buy 6061 aluminum.
0: Welcome to Making Chips. We believe that manufacturing is challenging, but if you are connected to a community of leaders, you can elevate your skills, solve your problems, and grow your business. I'm your host, Jason Zenger, and I'm joined by my co-host, Jim Carr, and we are Still here at Haas in California. Yes, we are at the Haas Automation Headquarters. Yeah, and we have a special guest that drove out here to meet up with us, and she happens to be out here in California as well, so it just worked out well. And, and we're ready to hit the beach pretty soon, too, after this, aren't we?
1: Well, I don't know if I'm going to hit the beach. I'll I'll gladly join whoever wants to join me at the pool okay. for margaritas. I'll, I'll join you at the uh, pool with for margaritas, and chips. Yeah, that sounds pretty good. But uh, no, I I'm excited to hear Sarah's story today. She's a different type
0: of I'm manufacturing let leader. Let uh, Sarah out of the bag. Yeah, it'll well, that's okay. It is. I want
1: to apologize for her in advance because we had her scheduled to record this episode in May of 2019. I, know. I didn't have
0: my groupie with me to carry the equipment though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What do you know? That didn't work out <laughs> for poor Jim Sarah. Keeps, Jim keeps me in check though. You yep. know? Sometimes you, you have no to kidding. have good business partners to keep you on the straight and narrow and make sure you got all your
1: stuff with you. That's okay. <laughs> because now I'm in California and we're with Sarah yep. and we're at Haas Automation. And we're learning all about new types of manufacturing systems, challenges, differentiators, and looking forward to hearing Sarah's story and her journey into manufacturing from a vastly different type of story. So what do you got good going on? I just got a text from my son 30 seconds before we hit the record button, and he he sent me a picture of all this stuff that we're shipping today. And I'm super excited because I... I know it can invoice that, and that makes me very happy because I know there's more than a couple dollars on that skid. So yeah, it's that's a good thing. So things are good. Things are really good, quite frankly. How about you? Uh,
0: Have things, you been checking the, in? You know what? what? I, I was. That was actually what I was going to talk about. Is I haven't heard from my office. So Why? either either they shut the doors. They don't and like you anymore. Turned off the phone and and locked up and said we're we we're, we're going to close down while Jason's gone or. They're just handling everything. So kudos to the but do team they over know? at Zangers. Do they
1: know you're not gonna you're gonna be a complete if you hear anything good or bad? Are you do you know they don't want to disrupt you?
0: No, they know that I'm out here in California for making chips and they would not hesitate to contact me oh, if they need help. Okay, to. good. Oh, absolutely. Because not. No. they know how you are and they know how you They know that you, I wanna help if I can. Right. You know what or, I mean? So like if there was something that they needed help with they would contact me. They chat me. We have like an internal chat, or they would text me or right. email me or call me. So they would not hesitate to do that, but they're handling it. So I'm very happy about that. Uh, one of the things I've been dealing with for the last like six months with our ERP change is that I've had to be so hands on for the last six months. And it's been tough because I, I haven't had the opportunity to do the okay, where are we going to be in three to five years? I've just been dealing with what are we doing right now and i've had to be very hands on so they have been contacting me but i think that they're they're finally in a groove things are going well with the new system and so it's good. are you
1: starting to see the fruits of your labor behind that erp system
0: my team is and thank goodness for them they're starting to not have to work the exordinate amount of hours that they had to before because of the change. Oh, you know? gotcha. And they, you know, I have a lot of very dedicated people and God bless for them that they just put in the time in order to get things moving with the ERP system. So, because it, it required some extra hours. Yeah, for so. sure. So,
1: speaking of Margarita's, with salt. Can you tell the Metalworking Nation what is the Boring Bar? What What is that all about, Jason? Can they get a margarita at the Boring Bar?
0: Eventually you'll be able to, but yeah. what the Boring Bar actually is, is it's our, our newsletter, and we that. send an email to the Metalworking Nation once a week and just give them a link to the podcast and a link to other articles that we write that the manufacturing leader might be interested in. How do they get that? They have to text CHIPS to 38470. How about Manufacturing News? What do you got for us, Jim?
1: Well, Nick was the one that wrote the show structure, but it's really kind of interesting uh, that we're talking about NIMS partnering with Festo.
0: Yeah, so I'm, I'm looking at this article, Jim, and it says the National Institute for Metalworking Skills, or NIMS, is in a partnership with Festo Didactic, and they're developing skills, standards, and credentials for jobs involving manufacturing, digitalization, and the Industrial Internet of Things, or IIOT yep. technology. Right. So we're actually going to be having Montez, From NIMS, going to be coming on the show soon. He's going to be flying out to Chicago just to see us. So thank you, Montez, for that. He's got a great story. We're looking forward to hearing from him. And it looks like he's putting some great partnerships together because, you know what, people need to understand and be able to put their team through training in the IIoT. And so this is going to be good. And hopefully we'll hear some more about it. Here is a
1: quote from that article. It says, this is an exciting development for manufacturers and educators as it directly addresses both the data-driven Revolution happening in manufacturing today, and the skills gap," says Montez King, executive director at NIMS. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they do that because you know if they, if NIMS is credentialing a product and validating it to the general public, you know it's got to be good because NIMS has been around for a long time. They're a really credible source to put credentials on. Uh, products and innovation for us in manufacturing. So yeah, I'll have to check out that Vesto. Honestly, I don't know too much about it, but I, I know it's a measuring system and I will have to check it out. I really honestly do not know too much about it. But uh, what I do know is if NIMS is, is validating it, it's got to be a really fantastic game changer in our industry.
0: Absolutely. So, Jim, could you introduce our guest, please? I absolutely
1: will. I am. It's my pleasure today to introduce our, our guest. She's got quite a story that I'm looking forward to hearing. She is a dynamic female leader in the metalworking nation with an impressive sales and marketing resume. She has a degree in deaf studies from California State Northridge. She led sales and marketing efforts for Raptor Workholding. Everything from trade shows and social media to organizing partner relationships with OEMs and machine tool dealers. She now manages the sales activity in the 11 Western states for MD tooling. Sarah, welcome again to Making Ships. And it's a really
0: pleasure to have you with us today.
2: Thank you. It's yeah, great and welcome, to be here. Sarah.
0: So, deaf studies, that's not the most typical background that somebody would take in the industry. I know that. Like, that's an issue here. I mean, you got these loud machines and they're buzzing, and people have complained about that. OSHA has regulations. You know, you got to make sure you protect your ears. I mean, there's a lot of people that talk about having issues with their hearing. But I don't think that's the reason why you got that degree no. and why you're here. So, tell us about your background and how you ended up into this metalworking industry.
2: Yeah, well, you're right. It has no correlation at all. I had no idea that I would ever end up in this industry, and at the same time, so grateful that I did. But I got into deaf studies just because honestly, it was an interest to me. And I got my AA degree in sign language interpreting. And so actually, I did attend CSUN for a year and a half. And then the last semester, I actually pulled one of those, you know what, I need a little break for a little while. I'll be back. You, but did I think, you go surfing? <laughs> yeah, I did every day, you know. No, and on honesty, I think we all know how that usually goes. You plan to go back and you start getting into the work force and what I had actually done is I started working and I just kind of realized that that was not going to be a passion of mine. So that's not a big deal for everybody, but
0: and we do talk about in the show that college is not for everybody. You know what I mean? Yeah. And this industry can provide a great career in a variety of different ways without having that college degree.
2: Right. That's true. So, you know, at the time, it, I wasn't too worried about it. But what I did find was that it wasn't a passion to me to be working in that field and interpreting as much as I loved the language. So that's kind of how that came about.
0: So how would you end up in the machining industry, though? So.
2: I want to start by saying, when I got into this industry, I had never heard of a CNC machine before. Oh, this and, is great. Yeah. I had never heard of a CNC machine before, and I felt like everybody was speaking in a different language. Because, Seriously? Because they were.
1: <laughs> right. Oh, well, okay. Interesting.
0: Well, we, we've we've talked yeah, about- There is another language there. There's no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So continue.
2: Yeah. So I got a call from a friend who I went to high school with. Her name is Rachel. And she called me and said, hey, I'm." she was working at a machine shop over here in Burbank called SNH machine and she said my boss has this side business and it's called Raptor Work Holding and basically they make fixtures dovetail fixtures for 4 and 5 axis milling and we need somebody to learn the product and be face to face with customers at marketing events so shows and open houses and meetings and Raptor had a very big presence in the industry, but very small operations. So there was literally nobody to leave the office. There had to be somebody to pick up the phone and ship orders. So the appeal to me at the time was that I could travel. <laughs> so okay, I said, okay. So I went for it. And that was my start into the industry.
1: And tell us about that journey. So here you come from out of industry. hmm Now you're dealing with manufacturing leaders, you're dealing with shop floor employees Mm -hmm. who are making setups in these CNC machines that you know nothing about, and now you're showing up at their door Mm -hmm. and you're trying to sell them work-holding products, right? Yeah. Tell us some success and not-so-successful stories about how that went.
2: Well... It was all so new and I've never had too big of a problem with asking questions, which I think is really key to anybody getting in this industry or even just if you have a background in the industry. So I spent that whole year and at that point, my job was just to market this product, learn and market this product, not so much heavy sales, but I went through that year of asking as many questions as I can and trying to understand the people, whoever was it it was in front of me, what they're telling me about their application or what they do in general, I really spent that time learning as much as I could.
0: So you found yourself that people were wanting to help you. It wasn't this situation where you're like, I'm going to try to tell you all about this product because you didn't know anything about it. So you were asking questions and that helped you to learn more about the product and also to develop a, I guess, a network of of people that you can can now depend on. Because we just finished interviewing Mark Terryberry from Haas Mm -hmm. and he's like, oh yeah, I know Sarah. So obviously, you know, you have a lot of people here that you have really established a good network in our industry.
2: Yeah. You know what I did is I just never stopped talking to people. And to me, it didn't matter who they were. So let's say we're set up at a show and we have a slow hour and I would and still do go to all the tables set up on our row and I'll pick something up, pick up a tool or ask about their coolant or whatever it is. And just to ask them, like, explain to me how this relates and how it works with either our tooling or in shops. And I just never stopped talking to people. So let's fast forward a year later. I had Made so many connections and met with people and realized that I really wanted to pursue this industry more seriously, full time sales. And that's basically what I did. And I yeah. can't remember if that was your yeah. question. Yeah, no, that, that was, yeah. I mean,
0: I guess there was, a, you know, there was an authenticity to you really being inquisitive to what goes on in our industry. So that's right. good. Yeah. So then from Raptor, you've made all these new connections,
1: you've learned a good chunk of the industry. And then all of a sudden you moved on to cutting tools. Is that right? Tell us a little bit about MD tooling. I'm not really that familiar with it.
2: Yeah. So MD tooling, we provide driven and static tooling for lathes. So we've got the tool holders that go in the live tour at oh, so, The Live tour. okay. Yeah. Gotcha.
0: I'm kind of in that same boat that you're in. So like my company, we sell tooling and we sell cutting tools and tool holders and work holding and stuff like that. So I'm a little bit on the outside as well. Mm-hmm. So I'm not like a machinist. I don't like Jim, I don't own a machine shop. So, I'm not kind of like in the inner circle, Mm -hmm. kind of like you're not in the inner circle. So there's a certain amount of, I guess what you would say, like insecurity with which you're not like fully embraced into the group. So how have you gotten over some of those challenges?
2: I love that question. So, okay, how do I say this? Your lack of... Experience in the industry. It doesn't make you ignorant. It makes you eager. Now, that's only if you actually have a desire to be in the industry and mm-hmm. you're eager to learn. And I think like that... Like
0: authentically eager. Yeah, you know, authentically not just for like,
2: eager. Not just to make the sale or right. to just have a job. But if you want to be in this industry there's going to be that feeling just naturally of insecurity because like we said, there's a whole different language. Like people are all of a sudden asking you about like repeatability and everything's in centimeters and all these different things. But I think with that is you you have to take the responsibility to always be learning. So it's inevitable that these questions are going to come up that you don't have answers to and you have to be secure in what you don't know yet. And the yet is important. And it's only because you're confident that you're going to change that. So you're going to learn and and you're going to take the responsibility that, okay, this person is asking me a question. Now I'm going to not only get that answer for them on a timely manner, but I'm going to make sure I fully understand the answer to that question. Put that in your file box in your brain. And next time that question comes up, you're going to just feel more confident in that situation. And the more you know, the, I guess the less confidence you lack.
1: Well, so you're selling tools for live turret CNC machines. So it's a two-axis CNC machine with live tooling. So you're selling the actual rotating adapters that are going on that turret. And then, of course, the, the collets, the holders. Mm-hmm not necessarily the cutting tools though right. not the drills not the taps not the end mills that are going to go in but you're actually selling those stations to the metalworking industry correct okay because i i don't have any cnc turning in my shop right now mm-hmm. yet it's something that we are aspiring to get into in the very near future we're strictly a 3 and 4 axis precision machine shop but tell us a little bit about that because i think it's really interesting What you learned about actually cutting, because now you're really dealing with automation Mm -hmm. and technology, and you've had to have been in shops where where they've said, you know, we're running this titanium job or a 4140 pre-hard material or aluminum, and we need you to come in and, and fill the turret with this live tooling. So, can you explain somebody for me that really doesn't understand it that is just entry level mm-hmm. how I, how i would begin to buy this type of tooling for my turning center?
2: Yeah. It really depends on the nature of your work. So you might do something where you're utilizing just a little bit of driven tools and you're doing a little bit of drilling and something where you're doing more milling. And And it really just it's depends on each shop. And I utilize our engineering manager a lot for that. But I certainly also get by with what I've learned on the different operations and if they're boring or if they're in need of like gear hobbers, if they're doing a lot of slotting broaching work sure so it really just depends but it, i find that with anytime somebody gets a live trail it's their first one it, usually there is a general like starter package and then from there we really have to kind of work one-on-one if it's not something that they know how to get started on of what kind of tooling to choose
0: so, go, going back to like kind of getting into the industry, at least from my perspective, it seemed like the industry it was always the situation where people are like, oh, that, that person, they don't, they don't know what they're talking about. Like, they don't know the things that we do. And that was kind of the, the old mentality. And I think hopefully things are shifting to more of we need people in this industry. Okay. And so we need to be more open to people. We need to be more open to people that are asking questions. And we need to be more willing to tell people about the manufacturing, especially people that are like yourself who right. are new to the industry and want to be a part of it because we need more new people. Obviously that's changed. And it seems like it seems like it has changed for you from the time that you've you've been in the industry. What is it about being in this is in this industry besides some of the great training that you've had and, and people that have accepted you? What is it that made you fall in love with this? manufacturing community?
2: What really made me fall in love with it was the creativity. I've always been a little bit of a creator. I've painted, I've made things, I've made jewelry, put stuff together. And when I first got into this industry, first coming into it not knowing, you just, you think it's all, you don't see it for what it is or You've heard things about the manufacturing industry, and you don't realize you, until you walk into a shop and you see like this piece of metal that's like kind of ugly at first. It's this matted, dirty piece of metal, and this they put chunk,
0: it just a chunk yeah, of metal. Yeah, and they
2: put it. It's basically a blank canvas. They put it in a machine and they program it, and it comes out into something that's gonna. Go inside your body to repair something in your body, or it's yeah, going like to get replaced. Like replace
0: shot a shot knee up. or a hip or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Or
2: it's going to get shot out into outer space or something. So I really fell in love with not just the machining itself, but where everything is going. And my first year in the industry, I worked a lot just like on the ground level. Like I was always with the machines, by the machines, with the machinists, which I learned, I feel, an accelerated version of getting into this industry that way, but it was seen. You think
1: that benefited? Oh yeah. Just being out there on the the, shop floor. Yeah,
2: absolutely. And
1: did the shop floor people accept you with open arms?
2: Yes and no. Okay. <laughs> no, be, a, I want
1: you to be honest. Yeah, yeah, that's
2: that's like a whole good. Well, let's talk like, about
1: that because yeah. it's all about being different in this industry, yeah. and I think you have an advantage. You know, you're a very likable person, Thank and you. you're hungry to make a difference in this industry. And I know it's all about being different. I think the way that I own and operate my manufacturing company is different than I certainly want to display the image and our culture that is completely different from every other machine shop out there. And I think you feel like that too. So tell me how that experience was, good and bad, about being...
2: Okay. So like, there's the elephant in the room. I'm a female and I'm younger. You are. Whatever. Yeah. And and not that it's an elephant, but I think sometimes people worry about asking me like, so how is it being a woman in the industry? And that's really, I think, what makes me different. how
0: is it being a woman (laughs) in this industry?
2: So for me, it has... Okay, it is what you make of it. It just is what you make like of it. Just like any job anybody does, whether they're a man or – like there's always going to be specific things that are maybe barriers or walls that you have to break down. And yep. in this case, it's still considered a man's industry, and there's the reality of things. What I have always done is just focus on why I'm there – focus on what I can control. So if I'm walking up to a customer and they see me and they have doubts, I, I can't control what they're thinking. But what I can control is the experience that they have from the time we start talking shop to the time I walk out the door. And my priority walking in is the same when I walk out, is did they get what they need? I've found that focusing on that, it kind of, you have nothing to worry about after that because whatever preconception they may have had, is usually gone because by the time you actually start talking about the applications and talking about the work, people just zone into that. And it's been a positive experience for me. And if anything, Good. that makes
1: me happy to hear.
2: Yeah. And if anything, I think it's been like a powerful aspect for me because I take it on as a challenge always. So, I have actually had people who felt comfortable enough to tell me to be honest when you were walking in like I was just kind of rolling my eyes. I was like, I don't know why you're here. <laughs> why did they send you in? But it's always been followed up with but I was very impressed by your knowledge of the industry, your knowledge of your tooling, etc. So,
0: have you had any bad experience that you could share a story with us?
2: You know, I haven't had a lot of Bad ones. There's always people who maybe try to test you. Right, I'm They'll sure try you try felt that. they try to test you. Yeah. And, that's, and it's all about the way you handle it. I don't feel like I've ever gotten too stuck. And I don't pretend to know anything I don't know. And yeah, sure. I've had a couple guys say maybe like semi-borderline inappropriate things. And and I kind of just... It's, it's the way you play it off, the way you either punch back with a joke, but they kind of get it, or it's the way you handle yourself. It really is. But I haven't had too much of an issue, and I think that, especially now, people kind of, they know...
1: Well, it's not the 1970s anymore. Although manufacturing is lagging behind, we are definitely evolving as an industry, and it's refreshing to hear that you're getting acceptance, Mm -hmm. because it wouldn't affect me at all Mm -hmm. if a woman came in and tried to sell me cutting tools or or work holding, or or anything else. All I care about is, here I am, I have this problem. And the problem is, I need to run this job 30% more efficiently than Mm -hmm. I was doing it yesterday. So if you have a solution for me, and you can help me out, I don't care. I really don't care. Let's work on this together. It's It's all about being collaborative, it's all about, here's the problem, here's the solution, and how fast are we going to get it right, done? exactly. At what cost?
2: Yeah, and that's a good point because people do ask me all the time also, is it an advantage to you being a woman in the industry? And I just tell them, like, you know what? I don't know if it's maybe there's times where someone's let me in the door where they wouldn't, and maybe there's not. But when it comes down to it, I've found that most people and men in this industry or women who are trying to look for the solutions, like, they need the solution or you, they need to get back to work. They're not going to waste time just to waste time. They're also going to need results.
1: Do you think that coming from outside of industry and not being like me decades Mm -hmm. in, that you can bring a different perspective and a different way to look at a problem? I would certainly think that it would because I always say the best board of directors, the best groups, the best collaborations that I can get is, I remember when I was the chairman of the board of a manufacturing association, I always said, I want a diverse group of people sitting at the table because I know at the end of the day, everybody in sitting at this table has a unique skill set and a unique perspective on something. And I don't care if they're outside of industry or not. Everyone is going to throw a great idea on the table. And when we all look at that idea together, unified, mm-hmm. we're going to make things happen. We're going to make the world change. Mm-hmm. Do you feel as though that you can bring a different perspective and just help them get their solutions done faster?
2: Yeah, So I've had experiences like that, let's say when I'm working with our engineering manager. So maybe somebody sends over a drawing or gives us a scenario and I'm working with him. I've had scenarios in that type of situation where it's almost like because it was a blank canvas in the beginning, I see some other possibilities. And, And I think that came also with this is like my seventh and a half, eighth year into the industry. So I have at times surprised myself because I'll ask him, but couldn't they also like cut from this side or do it this way? And it's always fun when that happens because every once in a while he'll be like, oh, actually, yeah, that makes sense. So I don't know if that's from not having, you know, you hear a lot of times like that's the way it's always done. Right. That's um, a
1: dangerous statement.
2: Yeah. And so you hear that all the time and and they just automatically go, they see that feature and they automatically go to that exact way that a lot of people do it. So I've had instances like that. And also I would say with the marketing point of view, coming up with some cool ideas. And I think there's definitely an advantage again if you have the genuine interest in it, you start, you know, asking yourself different questions on how to get different results. Yeah, you
0: had the opportunity just the other day to help our friend Brandon, who's new to the machining industry. Well, what was that story about? Because you yeah. mentioned something to me more at the I, airport. Well, this is, this is about Sarah, but I will share this because
1: it's kind of in the same thing. So, we interviewed a, a young entrepreneurial CNC machinist who started a shop in Connecticut recently, and he does a lot of Instagram. Mm-hmm. And I follow him on Instagram, and he had a story, and he was sh- showing the cutting path of the tool. and. Being that I was an old school machinist, I said to myself, he's not cutting that in the right direction. He's throwing the chips out away into the glass or the door area, Mm -hmm. and it really wasn't right. So I messaged him, I DM'd him right away, and I said, Brandon, I think, I said, why are you machining from left to right? You should be machining from right to left to throw the chip towards the back of the machine. He said, Jim, that's awesome. (laughs) But, you know, why did not you just tell him to
0: get a backwards end mill? (laughs)
1: <laughs> from Sanger's Industrial, right Yeah, we know yeah, <laughs> so we are a community of leaders that really genuinely want everyone to be successful, and it's all about sharing and it's all mm-hmm. about bringing a different perspective to the yeah. table. so I, I totally get it, and I think it's admirable of you to 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 jump in and see. <laughs>
0: Is it on the shared drive? Is it on the Google Drive? Is it on the Dropbox? Is it is on the E drive, the C drive. Makes me nuts. You have no idea.
1: I'm telling you Jason, before we converted to ProShop ERP, it was literally we had things everywhere. It was in Word, it was in Google, it was on that drive, it was on the other drive. It was right now since we converted to ProShop ERP, Everything is in ProShop. It's our
0: one source for all information. It takes a pain away. It certainly does. So go to ProShopERP.com for more information. Bam. Do you have any like mentors who have really helped you and guided you through this industry in the very beginning? And how, how was that impactful?
2: Yeah, definitely. Actually, before I had decided to dive in doing sales in this industry, when I was really just, I was marketing the product, I had built a couple relationships, made a couple of friends. And I had a friend, Tom Hensel, who's at Mellon Cutting Tools now. And he really actually mentored me into this industry because I had already made that first step in getting in. But I think that he saw the eagerness that I had to learn more. And at the same time, he had been in the industry for a while and understood the need for that for people who are eager to get into because there's such a shortage. I would say that he gave me that confidence boost and I was able to ask him questions. You know, what am I getting myself into? What I had basically done is I approached Raptor. I called them together for a meeting. And I said, Hey, guys, I want to work for you full time as a sales, either representative or manager or something because your product really like I've been watching people's reactions to your project product for the last year. And you guys need this like and they need this and the product deserves to really get out there and push. So I basically wrote out my first real sales pitch and it was to sell them on the idea of hiring me as their basically sales manager. So I did have some key relationships like that. And it were if it had not been for that, I don't know if I would have approached it in the same way. So I think that's really important. And I would tell people getting into this industry, you want to keep learning and you want to keep building relationships because you're going to need those people. Another example is, so I'm the West Coast sales manager and we have an East Coast sales manager, Brad Jones. So he's, I'm West Coast, he's East Coast. And we call each other all the time just to bounce off like sales ideas or tactics or ways about going about business. And it's good to have those people. Yeah, there were some key people in the beginning of getting into the industry. How how
0: has Instagram helped you in your career? Because I know you're active there and try to cultivate a community there as well.
2: It's basically been the best. <laughs> okay,
0: seriously. It's,
2: oh yeah, oh yeah. So I first got on Instagram when I was at Raptor and I remember telling my bosses like, hey, do you mind if I start an Instagram for Raptor? And they didn't exactly knock it down, but they were like, I guess, if well, they, you want to spend time on that. You know? They had
1: no idea yeah. what you could do with it.
2: Yeah, and frankly, I didn't know what I could do with it, but I thought, hey, if I get 10 followers okay, that's 10 people who know about the product and hopefully it can help a couple of them and in their shop. And that was
0: kind of our sentiment when we started making chips as well, to be honest with you. We can get like 10 people yeah. to listen. That's great. I've heard you, know? you guys yeah. say that before. Yeah.
2: And I i totally relate to that because it's yeah. the exact same thing. But I went on there and I started posting and I realized there's this ginormous community. And mm-hmm. I totally judged it ahead of time because I was thinking, yeah, machinists aren't going to be on Instagram. That's <laughs> for just millennials only. And
0: <laughs> no, they live I there. I
2: underestimated it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so it's been fantastic out of being on social media. I I collaborated with a lot of people and companies that have huge followings that we did either joint marketing campaigns or they use the product and we got featured. And But not just that, just being able to continue to understand what's going on like on the ground floor of mm-hmm. manufacturing and seeing other people's parts and ideas. Oh, it's by, f- also, by
1: following them. And, yeah, and wh- so
2: not only is it good for business, but good for learning because you're sure, not just seeing sure. things that are in magazines and ideal parts and yep. people are pretty honest and open, I think, on social media. Yeah. It's been great. Do
1: great. you think that's been like one of the major sources of your growth? Yeah, Thank you for answering that. Hmm. I knew you are struggling there, but mm, I'm always here for well, you. Well, uh, yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Actually, it, t- it plays a big role. I'm sure. Yeah, it does. I'm sure it does. It does. It plays a really big role in my growth in the industry and what I've learned.
1: So I, I always say this to our guests when we're ready to end. What would you say to somebody who is in a career, who isn't, doesn't feel passionate about what they're doing now and want to...
0: They want to create things. They want to be in an industry where they're creating things. I think that is one of the very alluring characteristics of our industry. And that's one of the reasons that Sarah got into it as well.
1: Right. But what would you say to that person that's gone to college and got a degree in something that they're just not passionate Mm -hmm. about anymore? Like basket weaving? Something like that. I mean, you made a big step and you took yeah. a chance on on manufacturing and it really turned out to be successful. Mm-hmm. So what would you say to that woman or mm-hmm. man out there that's in a dead end career and not feeling that fire in their heart for what they're doing? Tell them about manufacturing and tell them what happened. I mean, just what would you advise them
2: I would advise them to like take a genuine look into it, find some people. I mean, I am always the first person to say, are you are you kind of interested? Because I have like 10 people you can talk to and and just learn more what it's about. It's not about just making the things working in the machine shop. But like I was saying earlier, like where those products are going and especially for somebody who likes processes or, and technology and all of that. It's so much more fun than the perception that a lot of people have. But honestly, Instagram, YouTube, like start looking up some stuff and be willing to learn and put yourself out there. And I genuinely believe that anybody could learn Anything as long as you put like some dedication to it. So sure. don't let that scare you. But there's so much opportunity in this industry. And I have actually recruited some friends into it. And I'm gonna keep recruiting people into it as much as I can.
1: Great. Fantastic. Sarah's been an absolute yeah, thank pleasure you, Sarah. to meet thank you. you. And you're shining a bright light on the industry. And I'm 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 proud to to know you and to have you say that I'm your friend of the industry. So
2: awesome. continue the success. Thank you so much. Yeah,
1: you're welcome. Jason.
0: Yeah, that was great. And I'm glad we got Sarah on the show. She was out in Chicago, and Nick and I were, were able to have lunch with her. And, oh, you um, didn't go- tell me that. Yeah, 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 yeah. You'll you'll see it on my expense report. Yeah, okay. And it, it was great. And we got to know Sarah and knew that she had a great story that we needed to tell. So we're out here in California, and she came up to meet us. So it worked out, worked out really well.
1: So when you think back about people outside of industry that might not know what we do on a day to day basis. You know, like I asked Sarah, what would you advise them? It's really difficult to, much like Sarah, you know, she was teaching deaf people. That was, that's a, like a really huge shift. Well, in a I, I like that
0: statement of there was two things go online and learn, so many places to do that, and put yourself out there. Be willing to ask the questions because there's so many people that are not willing to ask the questions. And there's also, I think a, a real change in our industry where people used to be very guarded and we've oh, talked about that before totally. and people my I would dad, say even I would say even to the point of being snobby about it mm-hmm. you're not one of us but I'm really hoping that changes and and hopefully the people oh, that definitely have is. The people definitely. hopefully that have that attitude of you're not one of us Hopefully, somebody that is in the, within that community will say something and be like, "You know, you need to be a little bit more kind to people outside the industry because we need them.
1: We do absolutely, and we need good people too, mm-hmm. and genuine people. Yep, it's great to have Sarah here because she knows the importance of making chips. Because if you're if not you're making, making chips, chips, you're not, not making, making money. money. Bam.
0: As always, thank you for listening to the Making Chips podcast you need to increase the speed and feet of your business. If you're not elevating your manufacturing leadership, you're going to get left behind. The metalworking nation is committed to a new way to stay ahead of the competition. We have more content to help you make and elevate at makingchips.com. Gain access to exclusive content, as well as videos, blogs, show notes, and more resources designed to equip and inspire you. We'll see you next time. I got, yeah. it. I got it. I got it. If you're not making it. chicks, you're not making eggs. <laughs>